Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the podcast called Getting to Know God. This is the place where we look to the scriptures and only the scriptures to know the one true living God of the Bible, letting him speak for himself in his word through the Psalms. I'm Brandon, also known as Pastor B-Side, and today we're going to look at the attributes of God as the Lord describes them himself in Psalm 10. The title for our study today is called The Clear Standards and Promises of God. So real quick, before we get started, I just want to remind you that if you've been digging on these studies, please take a second and make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast and make sure that you're telling people about it on social media, sharing it with the people that you know. A simple tap of the like or share button could help put the true gospel of Jesus Christ in front of someone's eyes, maybe even for the first time, or even encourage a believer who really needs it this moment. So that's what we all want. Amen? Well, enough of that. Let's check these verses. In Psalm 10, the Bible says this, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly. As a lion in his den, he lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief, to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Ooh, my goodness. So that's some stuff right there. Now, the assurances and guarantees and promises that God made to his people are absolutely incredible. Granted, we understand the meaning of them. So there's a lot of promises that God has made, but it's important to understand the details and dynamics of his promises in order to understand who the beneficiaries are, but also who the victims are, right? We'd want to know the difference between the two. For example, the Bible teaches about the righteousness of God. We understand that. This means that God will fix all of the problems of the world in his time in order to restore things to his holy perfection by his transcendent glory. Now, to do this, God will purge sin and corruption of all kinds from this world. 
So while it might seem good that God will fix the world's problems, <laughs> it's only good for those who are preserved from his judgments against sin and corruption. Now, thankfully, the Bible is absolutely clear about God's perspective concerning these things. God is very detailed in his description of the people that he sees as wicked compared to the people that he considers to be humble. God is very clear that he will destroy the wicked and he will exalt the humble. So we want to know the difference between the two as God sees it, right? Since God's word and declarations are so clear, no one will have an excuse when it comes time for God to fulfill the promises that he made to restore all things. So the true children of God have great reason to be encouraged, understanding the way that God fulfills his promises. Psalm 10 is one of the more comprehensive portions of scripture that clearly shows God's descriptions of the wicked and the humble compared to his promise to judge and to bless each group, right? In Psalm 10 verses 1 through 18, the Bible clearly explains how God sees things and encourages God's people that he will respond to the things that he sees. The psalm is often classified as a petition for God's judgment, but the contents of the psalm are a little more involved. So let's take a look. The psalm clearly and candidly spends a great deal of time outlining the characteristics of those who are considered wicked. So while the psalmist cried out to God for righteousness against the wicked, the scriptures also paint a clear picture of the type of person that will absolutely be judged by God. Over the 18 verses in Psalm 10, 15 of them are dedicated to describing the attitude, conduct, and speech of the wicked, making it so that anyone is able to see God's description of the wicked to know where they stand with God, right? That's good news. Those who fit the mold of the description of the wicked, <laughs> they'd be wise to repent like right now in order to receive the benefits of God's promises rather than the curses in his judgments. Even though the Bible uses the word wicked to describe those who will be judged by God, the description that the Bible provides is far more general than some may consider within their own minds. In other words, the Bible's perspective on wickedness goes far beyond like the normal classification of someone who's like a murderer, an adulterer, or a thief. The Bible's description of the wicked shows that God's examination of the heart is way more in-depth so that the wicked don't always outwardly look as evil to us as they definitely do to God. Some might not even consider themselves to be evil in God's eyes, but the true measure and standard of wickedness is clearly identified by God here in the scriptures. So we need to pay attention to what he says, not what we think or we see. The psalm begins by stating a common sentiment about God's true people. It says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. So here we see, like, there's an issue, right? Why does it seem like God stands far from us, <laughs> seemingly in our greatest time of need, while the wicked seem to prosper without consequence? It seems like they can do whatever they want sometimes. Look at the world around us right now. Doesn't it seem that way? Why does it seem like the cries, the pleas, and the prayers of God's people go ignored, unnoticed, unanswered, or unaddressed when we need him, while the rest of the world seems to get whatever they want. Anybody else ever wonder that, right? The people in the Bible did. Psalm 10 begins this way, showing that it's common. It is a common human misconception to think that God has distanced himself from us, allowing the world to go unchecked. 
It's not true. Thankfully, Psalm 10 assures the true people of God that this is not how things are, even though they can sometimes seem or feel that way. The first verses of Psalm 10 show that God's people have always felt that way. Like I said, it's common. But if we're going to move forward in life with any sense of hope and encouragement, we need to lean on the truth, not how we feel. The truth is, God promised that he would not leave or forsake his people, which means that he doesn't stand afar off or hide like it feels sometimes. If God is omnipresent, how can he be far away, especially if his spirit is dwelling within us, right? Is God scared that he would hide? Of course not. So when we think things through compared to the truth about God, we can see that the doubt, the fear, and concern that's natural to us in times of trouble is really pretty silly in reality. So then, who are the wicked? That God will judge them in order to deliver his true people from the hardships of this world. In simple terms, the Bible describes the wicked as people who are selfish and prideful. Psalm 10 verses 3 through 6 says this, For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. Who is wicked in the eyes of God? The people who live their lives motivated by selfish pursuits and don't even care about the consequences of their selfishness. The wicked boast in their hearts according to their personal desires, which means that they are chiefly governed to do the things that seem good for them, even at the expense of God's people and God's commands concerning his people. The wicked are those who bless other greedy people. They get along with people who covet and are supporters of selfish ambition and personal gain. In other words, they're friends with the world and worldly philosophies. Psalm 10 explains that the wicked are those who are so consumed with themselves and their personal affections that they don't have any room in their minds for God or the things of God. They don't seek God or even consider him. They might feel as if their personal ambitions are good or even godly sometimes, but they make no effort to humbly consult God in the word to know him apart from their daily grind to live life the way that they want to, basically seeking to live their best blessed life, right? The Bible shows that God is not into that kind of thinking and that kind of attitude. The Bible explains that the wicked have a prideful attitude where they feel that they won't be moved from their pursuits. They'll be able to get what they want. They think their personal aspirations, their goals, and and the standards that they live by are supremely good and always profitable. Now, keep in mind, these are self-righteous human standards, not God's standards of goodness and profit. The Bible explains that the wicked feel that their philosophy to life and their personal ideologies are equal to God's righteousness. And it doesn't matter whether they say these things out loud or not. This is what's in their heart. That's what God is measuring. And so they feel that they can do all things, sometimes even attaching that mantra to scripture wrongly. They feel that adversity is not something that can stop them from achieving their personal goals. And while that seems like a noble cause, Their nobility is perverted by the abundance of their evil hearts, revealed by the godless words that come out of their mouths. Psalm 10 explains that the wicked speak cursing, deceit, oppression, trouble, and iniquity. That's a lot of bad, right? In other words, 
They only speak things that are contrary to God, contrary to his nature, his character, and his eternal and spiritually fruitful purposes. To speak cursing is to speak contrary to God who desires to bless. To speak deceit is obviously to lie, while God is the essence of truth. To speak oppression is to speak burdens on people when God seeks to make our yokes easy and our burdens light. To speak trouble and iniquity is to speak of self and the effects of human nature as if those things are good when God alone is good. The wicked are those who simply live contrary to God, having no consideration of him, figuring their own personal ambitions are equal to God's standards, even though they pay no attention to what God's true standards are in the word in order to know them. This sounds like most people, right? Sometimes even people in the church. Oof. Worse is that the wicked take advantage of the poor in order to gain their personal goals. The Bible goes on to say this in verses 7 through 11. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Now, the poor clearly refers to people in obvious literal poverty, right? But more so, it also refers to people who are weak or unable and kind of wretched in the eyes of the world, right? You look at a person like that and you don't see where there's any opportunity for you to gain from them, right? Because they're so low in status and position and influence. Now, the Bible often uses the word poor to describe God's true people, which would refer to those who are crushed for the name of God, you know, when they're trying to do the things of God, those people who die to self in order to exalt the name of God. The biblical context of the poor often refers to those who are poor in spirit, referring to humble repentance that God's people operate by, as well as those who are financially stricken in a literal sense. So Psalm 10 explains that the wicked often seek out the poor in order to take advantage of them, using them as a way to come up in the world and as a way to get what they want. The wicked plot and scheme secret things, sometimes secret to their own minds because these things are rooted deep in the wicked crevices of their hearts, right? Where they're convincing themselves that the things they're doing seem good because they look good in one sense, but they're actually oppressive to God's purposes and ultimately to God's people. We got a lot of that going on these days, don't we? Maybe one of the most compelling examples of the wicked that we see in scripture is demonstrated in Israel's history. In Israel's history, the wicked were described as the people that used the things that God provided in order to build up their personal circumstances, their own families, and then to build up their own goals. This was done at the expense of tithes, offerings, and sacrifices that God commanded in the law. And as a result, the priests and the Levites suffered in a number of ways, especially financially, because that's how they survived from the tithes and offerings and from the leftovers of the sacrifices. And so what happened is they were unable to do their jobs as God had commanded. They were discouraged. They were becoming literally poor. Over time, God's anointed servants, the priests and the Levites, weren't able to do their jobs. And so being afraid of poverty, they turned to 
corrupt means to try and earn a living outside of God's commands. And not just to earn a living, but sometimes just to keep up with the financial gain that they saw other people getting around them. And you had a bunch of injustice and ungodly things going on. This ultimately corrupted the priests, of course. It corrupted the sacrifices and eventually corrupted the worship of God from the priests and the rest of the congregation of Israel. Again, is this sounding familiar? By the time Jesus came into the world as the word incarnate, most of the Jewish religious leaders were totally corrupt. The Gospel of John shows that Jesus was grieved and angry with the things that the people were doing. They had made his father's house into a den of thieves rather than a house for worship. The temple had become a business complex, raising funds to profit the people who worked in it under the guise of spirituality. That system facilitated shady deals and perverted the worship of God, and Jesus saw right through it. This was all because the people used the things that God gave to the people to build up themselves, rather than use those things as faithful stewards in order to multiply God's goodness as commanded in the scriptures. When selfish ambition infects the hearts of God's people so that we're controlled by those things, the first thing that suffers is worship. And in the case of Israel, it was temple worship. And it wasn't long until the vast majority of the people were all totally corrupted. This is why Jesus cleansed (laughs) the temple complex. And he cleansed it by kicking everyone out of the courtyard, chasing animals away with cords, flipping tables, and scolding the people for their evil, right? Made a huge scene, but rightly so. Jesus saw through the fake religious activities and was able to dissect the wicked and selfish hearts of the people. Now, they didn't like that, but it was still true. Psalm 10 explains that this kind of selfishness causes people to lie in wait, seeking opportunities in the secretness of their own hearts. In other words, we're lying to ourselves about the true motives that we have for the things that we do. And we do that in order to build up ourselves, and usually at the expense of God's true purposes and God's true people. People play tricks on themselves, as if our personal causes are more noble than the purposes of God for his people. Maybe even more terrifying, the wicked feel as if their conduct will not be addressed by God. Since their minds are so consumed with selfish ambitions, they never consider the truth of God's judgment and the risk that they incur every moment that they live this way. The wicked feel as if God doesn't see their true motives. The wicked feel as if their plans to build up themselves and their personal households at the expense of God's people, like it won't be addressed. They just don't think about it. The thought of God and his judgments never crosses their minds because they're too busy chasing. The Bible shows that many of the wicked feel as if their personal increase will actually validate their selfish motives, as if their gain is a sign of God's approval and blessing. And there's a lot of people who think that way. That's not what the Bible teaches, but that's how a lot of these people and even some who call themselves Christians, that's how they feel. The Bible assures the true people of God that God will address these things in his time. Even though Psalm 10 spends so much time describing the characteristics of the wicked, the Bible also explains the character and attributes of God that enable him to deal with these things, guaranteeing justice in the end. Even though it might seem like selfishness is rewarded in this world, God will soon stand up in order to lift up those who are crushed for his namesake. Verses 12 through 15 say, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, 
you will not require an account, but you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out of his wickedness until you find none. God will uphold those who suffer from the wicked, which is those who are trying to do what God says by faith, even while we are being oppressed by those who deny God's word. God will not forget the humble and the faithful. The Bible assures God's true people that he sees the wicked and what they're doing. God also sees the trouble and the grief that his true people suffer from because of the wicked. The Bible promises that God will repay fairly and justly according to his perfect wisdom, his sovereign control, and his supreme righteousness. The Bible explains that God will break the arms of the wicked, the very arms that these men and women use to prop themselves up by shoving God's people down will be broken and disabled. Only God will stand. And scripture assures the people of God that by his mercy, he will enable his people to stand with him after he judges the wicked. God will seek out the wicked, find each and every one of them, and humble them in the worst ways. Best believe that. Psalm 10 ends with these words. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Why can God's people who suffer now be confident in this promise? Psalm 10 reminds us that God is not only all-knowing, but he is the Lord King. He is Yahweh, the creator of all things in heaven and earth. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He alone sits high above everyone else. Wicked people have come and they have gone, oppressing God's people for sure over the generations. But God has remained and he's remained constant, unchanging. He's still sovereign and still holy. Time hasn't affected him, but where are those early generations of wicked people, right? The wicked may have their fun now for a time, achieving their goals and boasting in their personal ambitions on YouTube and TikTok and IG, right? But as time passes, like all human beings, they die. And all that talk, it goes away. And they're going to be left to face God without the covering of pride and all this worthless stuff in this world. And that self-righteousness will be worth nothing. God, on the other hand, has been Yahweh, the king, forever and will be forevermore. He doesn't get old. He doesn't get weak. He hasn't gone blind. The scriptures assure God's true people that he hears the desires of the humble and the faithful while also seeing everything that the wicked are doing. Those who love the Lord, which is those who trust him in all things, supremely cherishing his ways and his promises, they are heard by God. God specifically hears the desires of his true people, referring to the wishes and longings of the heart that crave God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how does God address this and fulfill his promise? Psalm 10 explains that God will prepare their hearts on account of what he hears from their hearts. The preparation of the heart refers to the assurance that God establishes for his people. Our current time of suffering in this life has no effect on the integrity of our eternal inheritance. And that's really important to understand. God promises to stay connected to us, 
to give us the hope and assurance we need to keep moving towards him. Clearly, God's focus is on the heart and the eternal status of all people, humble and wicked alike. That's where our focus needs to be also. So if we want to actually receive that assurance that he provides, our minds need to be set on the soul, on the eternal work of the Lord. Now, how can God go on letting the wicked get their way in this life at the expense of his people? He won't. God will judge in the end. Remember, he's working from the eternal plane of reality. And the souls of the wicked who reject God's offer of forgiveness, they will not be preserved in heaven, in his eternal kingdom. How can God let his people go on living oppressed and suffering to the point of being crushed in this life? He won't. God doesn't let the pain of this life affect his ability to restore and exalt his people in the glory of eternal life. That's the perspective we need to see things through. Since God is Yahweh, he is the eternally self-existing, self-sustaining creator and controller of all things in heaven and on earth. His nature is eternally unchanging, so his promises have to be also. The focus of his work is eternal and spiritual in nature. Those who are humble before the Lord and trust him will receive the benefits of God's righteousness for all of eternity, no matter how things appear in this life. On the contrary, God will ensure that his people are never oppressed again by eternally destroying the wicked on account of the unrepentant pride, selfishness, and self-righteousness that governs their lives as if there are no consequences. And that's what the Bible teaches about the one that we know as God. Look, I know it's hard looking at how the world rewards bad things these days and condemns the things of God. But things aren't going to stay that way much longer. So when you feel like God is far away because of the injustice of this world, you know, it can get overbearing. Remember the promises of Psalm 10. God sees. God hears. God knows. God is actually responding right now, according to Bible prophecy. We might not see it, but he is if we trust his word as true. And best believe, it won't be much longer until we actually see the fulfillment of those righteous judgments that he promises. So before I get out of here, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder. Please keep in mind that all of the Bible teaching I do here is 100% listener supported. This means that I depend on listeners like you to pay the bills for the tools that make this stuff available to you, as well as pay for all the time that it takes to study the word and prepare to this degree. If this podcast is helpful to you and you value this sort of teaching, please, prayerfully consider sending a donation this way. We're a legit nonprofit, 501c3, operating through our parent ministry called Proper Knowledge Ministries. Feel free to look us up. If you'd like to partner with the work of the gospel that we're doing, you can visit www.pastorbside.com, like the flip side of a record. When you get there, hit the support tab and give any amount that you're able as the Lord leads. And believe me, every bit helps. And if the Lord would lead you, maybe even consider partnering monthly with us, making your gift recurring, kind of like tithing to a church, because the church is founded on the true teaching of the Bible, continuing in the apostles' doctrine, and that's exactly what we do here. Something to think about, something to pray about. So again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the study. And until next time, peace out.